Mac Jones is ripped. Matt Patricia is calling plays. The Celtics are title favorites. And The Ringer has a new Boston show. I'm Brian Barrett, host of Off the Pike, the show covering all things Boston sports. I'll have shows multiple times a week covering your favorite teams and with your favorite Ringer and local guests. Plus, maybe Bill will stop by to rant about the Sox. Follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify. This episode of The Ringer F1 Show is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall chosen by champions. It is the Ringer F1 show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined on a newsy Thursday by Spanners. Hello, Spanners. Hi, KC. I'm ready to talk about all the news. We did not have a episode planned for this week. We had we had a tentative episode that was either going to run this week or next week. We had booked an F1 driver for it, and he was confirmed. And then uh, I was informed the F1 driver did not want to talk about F1. He wanted to talk about other stuff. So that didn't happen. <laughs> that, that happened to me before with uh, an ex-F1 yeah. driver. And he was like, yes, we will definitely jump on your pod- podcast. We'd made all the arrangements. And then he said, just to be clear, I am contracted to a network and therefore I can't talk about Formula One. And I did wonder what he thought we were <laughs> going to talk about. But I don't even think this is, this wasn't even like, there wasn't even a built-in contractual excuse. He just didn't, he just, yeah, let's talk about oh, other stuff. I, I, Kevin, I've really come here to talk about water purifiers, okay? So it isn't the purifiers themselves, it's the licenses. Having said that, we have an F1 driver for next week. He does want to talk about F1. I will have that update to you very soon. Uh, he's he's a famous driver. I'm really, really excited about it. You will hear that conversation on this feed and on the Slow Newsday feed that I have wow. as well um, next week. So look forward to that. Subscribe to the Slow Newsday feed. It'll be up there. It'll be up there. I have to... Erica, the producer, doesn't even know who it is yet. It's, it's, all, it's all very exciting. Um, all right. The reason we're here is not... Yep. Grievances against uh, F1 media appearances. Uh, it is a couple of things. Number one, Max Verstappen is four days removed from winning the Drivers' Championship in extremely controversial fashion. And a day later, it comes out that there has been a minor overstep of the $145 million cost cap by Red Bull. Uh, that means less than 5% over. Um, but Red Bull and Aston Martin have been deemed to be in violation. I love spanners. The fact there's a certification day. It's almost like I've heard, I've heard it, you know, the, the analogy to, to transfer deadline day where it's like, Oh my gosh, like what, what's going to happen today? It's uh, the, 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 you know, you're either good or you're not and that the window slams shut 
in early October and we find out who's in compliance and who's not. Yeah. I love this. Uh, nothing is going to happen to Red Bull of any consequence. So this is for the 2021 season to begin with. Um, there is a list I saw in a Sky Sports article, a list of potential reprimands, uh, one of them being a fine, one of them being a public just kind of statement saying you're bad. Uh, yeah, walk of a shame. De yeah. A deduction uh, in constructors' championship points for 2021, um, which is not going to happen. A deduction, a deduction in drivers' championship points, not going to happen. Uh, and then a suspension of some sort, which could be, you know, a, whether that's a practice session or whatever, uh, or limit limitations on ability to conduct aerodynamic testing or reduction of the cost cap. Um, couple of things to to dive into here, Spanners. Uh, first of all, what did you think when you saw this relative to the rumors of the past couple of weeks? And what do you think will happen? Oh, some big conclusions from you there, Casey. Uh Driver's points deduction, definitely not going to happen. I actually think everything is on the table at the moment. And it is mad because a minor breach makes it sound like when Ross from Friends was dating his student, you know, oh, it's more frowned <laughs> upon. Oh, it's frowned upon. It's not really against the rules. So the wording is a little bit misleading because minor could be anything up to $7 million. And when you think the upgrade package of that, of the $145 million dollars, the amount mm -hmm. they can spend on upgrades through the season is a very small amount of that. So I think the rumor I'm hearing at the moment is like $1.2 million over. That's huge when it comes to the ability to bring upgrades throughout the season. And certainly Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton are playing the PR game going, oh, we got to Silverstone and we couldn't bring any more upgrades. That was our last yeah. one. And and poor Valtteri, he he didn't even have real shoes on. He just he was just wrapping <laughs> leaves leaves around his feet. Um, so they're definitely playing that card. Like, no, this will have a massive impact. But whether it's it could be up to seven million for a minor breach, or it could be as little as a dollar. But the range of punishments, I think, is deliberately ambiguous. So they could mm -hmm. be one dollar over and lose all the points accumulated in twenty twenty one. Or they could be seven million over and simply have to do a naked walk of shame through Westeros. <laughs> All right. So to dive into what you said about how a minor breach can be a significant advantage, um, there were a couple people who spoke out on this. Uh, Ferrari's team principal, uh, Bonotto, said that a so-called minor offense is from the BBC article, which, by the way, Andrew Benson explains things in F1 better than anybody. Oh, like I learned so, great. so much like I listen to all the pods, I watch every race, I watch every practice session, and then I will read Andrew Benson. So, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> Can I make you jealous? I've been yelled at by Andrew Benson. Over what? I was on their F1 podcast, I think booked by accident, but I was on there and then I said some stuff and then he yelled at me. Then Jack Nichols yelled at me and then Jolian Palmer yelled at me. The only one who didn't yell at me was Jenny Gao, who is my favorite. I was going to say. I was gonna say, yeah, um, that's that's quite a yeah, no, but he's great. He really does. Is explain it possible things you were booked? Is it possible you were booked last second because there was an F one driver who was booked earlier who refused <laughs> maybe, to talk maybe. about racing, or, or they um, brought me on just to have someone to yell at? But yeah, he does explain things. Uh, yeah, on on the on the nose. Yeah, yes, and so this is from that article uh, that uh, Bonotto explained that a minor breach is a significant offense, um, and he said in it, Bonotto said five million dollars is about half a second. One to two million dollars is 0.1 to 0.2 seconds, which can be the difference between second on the grid to pole. Um, again, this is about 2021. He says there should be full transparency. Uh, Total Wolf has also said there's been full transparency. Teams had already voted, and I found this fascinating. Going back a couple, you know, I'm reading more about the cost cap this week. 
teams had already voted to lower the cost cap. And it was interesting because I've seen theories go around that between the cost cap and the fact that it's really hard to get another team into F1 at this point, um, which we've seen evidenced by the Andretti debacle, it's almost like they're setting up an NFL-like system where you have a salary cap and you then the teams themselves are hugely valuable because you have cost certainty and you have a situation where you can't just start a team and just show up on a, on a Friday and say, hey, we're here to practice and we're here to qualify tomorrow. But it's, um, it's, that, yeah. it's not that a little bit like that. It, yeah, it's, not <laughs> a li- it's not a little bit like that. That is, I would say, all but the absolute stated aim. And if you look at Mercedes profits from 2021, they're massively increased. So I think they claimed something like 63 million. I'm pulling that number a little bit out of my head, but like l- massive profits because they're forced to spend less. So those franchises are going to become valuable. But look, this isn't what we really want to be sitting talking about, is it? We should be doing like a breakdown of of Verstappen and Red Bull's dominance in 2021. But we have to talk about this because it's hugely significant. It cuts to the core of what the sport is now with that budget cap. And, you know, well, with teams saying, well, we could have spent that money. You know, what could we have done with an extra 1.2 million? But the whole way it's been released is fascinating and it's a mess because before the Japanese Grand Prix, there was leaks of this information Mm -hmm. and Toto Wolff and Mattia Bonotto were being very angry, also being very clever not to just say uh, Red Bull out loud. A team has done a bad thing and it's a competitor (laughs) and it's not Ferrari. Uh, But that leak in itself was fascinating because the leak got it right that it would be Red Bull and Aston Martin that would would come up as non-compliant. So if that's an a disgruntled Red Bull engineer that's gone over to to Mercedes, they would only know about the Red Bull. Mm-hmm. If it was an Aston Martin ex-engineer, they'd only know about Aston Martin. So that leak has had to come from the FIA. I, I And there are some theories about that floating around the world. We're not going to do that because we have oh, you okay. know, le- legal standards. Oh, okay, um, but there sorry. Are some, there are some theories, I'm sure, I'm sure. On the non-Spotify-owned podcast, um, Missed Apex, that you're a part of, you can, oh, uh, no. you can name names that I think have been floating around oh, uh, no, right. in no, the no, paddock I'm not, for a while. I don't know any names. All I'm doing is counting <laughs> and going, the only way you have both those bits of information is, oh, I suppose it could be two engineers. It could be two disgruntled be, engineers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I don't know. There's been like senior public figures from Liberty openly attacking on social media people within the FIA. So not many people or a lot of people like me get confused between Liberty or FOM and FIA. So yeah, you know, you've got the FIA who do all these rules, who run the regulations, who are the one investing the cost cap. They've got that, the president, Mohammed Ben Suleiman. And then you've got Liberty where you've got the likes of uh, Dominicali and, Mm. you know, the Liberty board. They don't seem to be getting on well there's you know if you look at it this is public this is not like some rumor you can see people from liberty openly criticizing the fia so it is it's a mess it's horrible and the whole fact that it got delayed until the japanese grand prix and then honda gets brought back in so that the japanese manufacturer gets to celebrate their home race and celebrate a championship and then it gets released the next day it's it's all a bit mucky it is it's a great way to put it um, I think it's interesting because the cost cap era in general, maybe I'm wrong here, but it, it's a bit like financial fair play in European soccer, where it is in a weird way, extremely 
not in a weird way, in an almost design way, it's extremely favorable to the teams that were already dominating and the teams that already had spent, in some cases, billions of dollars over the over a few decades or a few uh, or over a decade in order to to have dominance and then keep that dominance. And I think that you you saw that as well with some of the testing. Uh, restrictions that have been put in over the years as well, where you have a situation where, you know, in the little edges you need to gain to to, to bridge the gap, uh, those are harder to come by because there's just less testing, less opportunities. And listen, the wind tunnel time and all that stuff, I'm sure is valuable, but it's not nearly enough to, to bridge the gap of, of the money and the time and the manpower spent over the past few years. Okay. Having said that, um, I'm intrigued to see you know, I, I, we can do analogies all day to other sports. Okay. Habitual line steppers in all sports, certainly in American football, certainly in soccer, tend to thrive. And I always go back to the the Adrian Newey. I think it's in the the uh, the, uh, the prologue to his book where he said that every year the biggest thing is you see the regulations and you read what they say, but the most important thing is what they don't say, right? And I'm intrigued to see if there's any sort of, and I think Adrian Newey is an absolute genius. And that book is such a huge, the reason I go back to that book so often is it is just a huge influence on me. Um, and, and just my, it was like the first thing I'd read when I got into F1, you know, f- four years ago. Um, but I'm intrigued to see what the punishment is because I think everyone is watching to see what a minor cost cap override, overrun looks like can we do it hey we really are desperate to have one more upgrade let's just do it let's just see what happens like that to me it's one of the biggest inflection points of the modern f1 era is not only what happens to red bull but how teams react to what happens to red bull so for red bull money's not really an issue yeah, it's right. a massive company. They can they can spend as much as they want. Red Bull don't really care about the constructors' championship. They've openly said they prefer the drivers' championship. So we now turn this into a a tactical, strategic decision. What do you do if you're the Red Bull chief, beginning of 2021, and you take a look at the Mercedes and you go, do you know what? They've got the edge over us here. If we do our analysis, we think we're going to finish second by more than a race distance. We're probably going to be 30 points off of Lewis Hamilton. Right. So you've got nothing. You haven't got the World Drivers, Drivers Championship. Now you look at this cost cap with the undefined rules and or this range of punishments where you say, right, if we push the gray areas, we can probably plead clemency or a misunderstanding and we can just really push it and see if we can bring more upgrades in and we'll just push it to the limit and we'll see what happens. You've got nothing to lose because... If the FIA go, oh, public reprimand, then it was a completely legitimate tactical sporting decision. You have to say. Yes. This, and this is all alleged until we get the details. It might all yet be a big misunderstanding, but it's a complete free roll of the dice. You may as well go for it because the damage it's going to cause to the FIA for them to take away Max's driver championship points from something a year ago that already had so much controversy is going to be it's going to be devastating it's going to look awful i'm sure liberty media are going to hate that but if you don't take away max verstappen's unfortunately for him he's done nothing wrong if you don't take away the number 33 cars championship points it completely validates a tactical overspend and mm-hmm. then you you turn around and go right what do mercedes do now well mercedes don't care about money either <laughs> they they've probably got limitless funds that they can put in and now 
they really have a massive profit margin. So what's to stop them now pushing every single gray area to the absolute limit and just hope that they get a punishment that is less than losing losing mm-hmm. a title, losing a championship? I, it, it is going to be, I think Red Bull and Ferrari are, excuse me, Mercedes and Ferrari are going to have a fit with anything short of a points deduction. And yep. that's, by the way, what's going to happen is going to be short of a points reduction. And I think they're justified. But I think the next thing they should do is figure out how they can use this to their advantage. Because it's clear yeah. to me that they're establishing something that's going to be a slap on the wrist system. And unless, I mean, you saw it a little bit. Teams kind of skirted the salary cap in the 90s in the NFL and they got punished. And But but the teams won the games. They didn't take the wins away. And so they said, eh, it's worth it, whatever. Um, and so I think that that... Retroactive punishments are hard to do, but then retroactive punishments are the only thing you can do in a situation like this. Okay, so what about the the perspective of, say, Lewis Hamilton or this right. season Ferrari? What? Why doesn't the punishment reflect what they've lost? Because they stayed within the budget cap. They did what they yeah. were asked to do. So why does it not reflect on them? If, they, if it's 1.2 million, you can't go back in time and say, well, if we had 1.2 million worth of upgrades what could we have done? I, I don't think it's enough to look at the effect it has on Red Bull and go, oh, you cheeky little swines. You got away with it. Here's a slap on the wrist. Mercedes and Ferrari are sat there going, well, hang on a minute. You're actually actively punishing us for sticking within the rules. We have mm-hmm. not got a result we could have had because we obeyed your rules. I think the the, the best punishment would for any team, and by the way, what a loss here for Aston Martin that no one's even bringing them up. Like, apparently it was some sort of paperwork thing, so it wasn't all that significant, but still, it's Red Bull and Aston Martin, and just, there's no discussion whatsoever. Would Aston you Martin. like to meet me to pretend yeah. to be as animated? Ooh, Aston Martin. Ooh, ooh, your turnips. <laughs> uh, the, the most effective thing on that list that I read a, a second ago is a future reduction in the cost cap. Because I think if that's the way to harm kind of what I said, habitual line steppers, in that if you want to keep doing minor overruns, if you want to keep doing within 5%, well, if we reduce your cost cap by 15%, you're still going to be, you're still going to be in the mud. Um, I think that that would be fascinating. But I also think there's a, there's a part of it that how much can you reduce it and still produce a running F1 car? Okay, but if I stop, if I reduce, say, let's, in this example, Red Bull's running costs, oh, you cheeky, you're only allowed 20 million less now than everyone else. What's to stop them just fudging it again, (laughs) I guess, when they get caught the next time? Uh, But I I think it's really interesting, some of the arguments that have come out in in defense of Red Bull. And and like I said, it is all... Firstly, I can't believe the FIA just dropped, yes, they're over the budget cap limit, with no other details and they've just left everyone flapping in the wind all week because obviously it's people are going to assume the worst dutch outlets spread the rumor that it was all just crisps and sandwiches that they'd overspent on but i think like for a bit of context i mean i've got a little bit of a list of what doesn't count under the cost cap Mm -hmm. if that would be interesting to anyone so driver's salaries don't fall under the cost cap you can pay them as much as you want the wages of the three highest paid staff members also don't count and this is fascinating because there's rumors going around that perhaps one of the senior Red Bull uh, management, look, look, look at me being all corporate. I didn't mention a name. <laughs> uh, their wages, their $10 million wages weren't counted in the cost cap yeah. because they were treated like a, a third party supplier. Yes. That, that, um, we, there, there, was, there have been a couple of people who've worked in F1 spanners who said that 
the biggest hurdle towards an actual effective cost cap is that you can just say, oh, this engineer who's actually like our second most important guy. Yeah. Unbelievably, he's been named head of marketing. Yeah. Un- or, oh, he's a comms guy now. <laughs> Travel costs aren't in that. So you know, yeah. oh no, Adrian was just driving the cab from the airport that's all he was doing uh, but yeah there's 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 a lot of stuff like that like employee sick leave and yeah. uh, and uh, property and legal costs all that kind of stuff that doesn't get involved but you know there was a lot of people saying oh it's just catering catering and food is in that cost cap so if you overspend on your volivants you've got less to spend on your rear wing development which is fascinating but look if they did overspend on any single area within the cost cap then you would have to take that out of car development. So it doesn't really matter where the overspend was. All that matters uh-huh. is, in all the areas that were in the cost cap, did they stick to the 145? This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's move on to the fact that we had a a driver's champion crowned. And between the botched uh, points communication system, just the idea that we were not in real time communicating to anybody what the scenarios were, um, the fact that Johnny Herbert had to tell Max Verstappen kind of mid-conversation that a five-second point penalty had been, uh, a five-second penalty had been uh, added and then he was winning on points. Um, All of this stuff combined to make an incredibly boring title coronation. Uh, Our buddy Nate Saunders wrote the other day that he's going to start giving the trophy out as soon as it's given, uh, as soon as the the, the title is given. That way there can be at least some pomp and circumstance to these situations. Um, But this was not exactly thrilling. Um, add in the fact that a day later, everyone's talking about the cost cap, and I feel like the driver's championship has been a bit overshadowed, Spanners. Um, no. 
let's <laughs> let's uh let's go big picture here. Why did why did Red Bull why did Max and Red Bull win this drivers championship and and why did no one ever get close um, after the first month of the season? Yeah, you got you got to start with Max Verstappen and you got to yep. go look th- this this is um you know this is we're talking generational talent now. I don't think it's there's much doubt. I think people crowned him far too early, especially in in his wild Toro Rosso days. But look, you've got you've got two championship belts championships under your belt championship belts like it's boxing you don't get (laughs) even in the top two top three of a driver's fight without being decent there's definitely the potential now to step on uh step on and enter that kind of f1 great phase but i don't think we should be premature he's doing really well he's got two titles if you're going to be one of these all-time F1 greats, you really need to be in a dominant car era. So you need the Schumacher, Ferrari, Bridgestone type uh, eras, or you need a Vettel, double-blown diffuser era, or you need a Lewis Hamilton turbo hybrid era to really start racking up those championships. And I don't think it's the best judgment, to be honest. Even as a Lewis Hamilton, Hamilton fan, I don't think sitting there going, oh, he's got seven world championships. Does that mean he's you know twice as good as... Uh, Ant and Senna. I don't think you can quite judge it like that. But look, Max Verstappen has shown himself to be a talent beyond the car in a few key areas. And it's hard to do that when the car has been this dominant. Because the, let's be clear, the car is incredible. The car has no weakness and it is in a field of cars that are having fundamental problems. And he's in a team that have been doing everything right, pit stops right, every strategy call. So where does a driver get to stand out from a, a car like that you can look at his consistency of course only a couple of mistakes during the course of the season his overtakes when he has had to come through the field and had to overtake the very fast qualifying ferraris have looked effortless it hasn't looked at all like he's uh, you know hesitated he has mm-hmm. taken every opportunity he's been decisive when it comes to the wet weather you can see yeah he's absolutely fantastic in the rain around the outside of leclerc at suzuka is a very timely reminder of that. So, yeah, you can say, yes, he's within a dominant team and he set himself up as the number one driver, as a lot of great drivers have done. There's an overall package towards, you know, F1's not a sport where you can just say, ah, well, Verstappen did better than Hamilton this season. Verstappen mm-hmm. did drive drive better than Lewis Hamilton this season. That's facts. And he did drive better than Leclerc this season. Mm-hmm. So that's facts as well. You've got a dominant car, you need to deliver in it. Not only has he delivered, he's delivered decisively. I think this is up there with the kind of season that you saw with Hamilton in, say, 2020 or 2019, where he was the clear number one in that team by then, and you've got to bring it home. And at that time, we were talking about the brutal consistency of Lewis Hamilton. So what you've seen is, would every driver have taken home that championship or his championships? Would every driver have brought home the 2021 championship? I would say certainly not. There are a few drivers in the field that would bring this uh, this championship, this recent one, home in that same position, but he has done it in an effortless way. And that, that doesn't just rack up the points and win the championship early. That also sends a message through the whole sport where he is now the Darth Vader of F1. He's mm-hmm. the new big bad. So let's spin this forward. How long does this last? Like, is there is there a realistic chance someone closes the gap in 2023 and we get an actual title chase? Yes. Oh, I'll tell you the reasons why, because that <laughs> makes for a better podcast. No, look, this has actually been a fascinating season. Even though it's been wrapped up early, you saw three teams 
coming out of the blocks with the potential to challenge. Now, Red Bull's biggest strength has been a lack of weaknesses. And if you look Mm -hmm. around at Mercedes, poor Mercedes couldn't even afford side pods. You know, they went for this very low drag, low side pod philosophy. And then not only that, they had all the bouncing issues and the porpoising issues to deal with. And by the time they dialed that out, that's the only point that I think they probably realized that this low drag philosophy wasn't going to work. And I've heard lots of clever people talking about the aero coming around that lack of side pods and buffeting the rear wheels and not interacting with the rear very well. But it took them until like half the season to realize they had a fundamental flaw in that concept. That doesn't stop Mercedes being the force that Mercedes can be. So they can turn up next season and be right on the pace again. Uh, Ferrari had a couple of different concepts and they went in the wrong direction with with certain things. They were hurt by the technical directive that limited the amount of porpoising, I think, in the floor. And uh, and, and they've got a car that is fast, but that tears through its tyres. You know, so their one lap pace has been great. They've been on pole positions. They've not been able to maintain that throughout the race. But that is a fundamentally good race car with two great drivers. Mercedes, a fundamentally a good team with two great drivers and the resource to max out the budget cap. Mm. So I can absolutely see a level playing field next season. And who knows, maybe Red Bull have got some kind of restriction in their testing time or their budget for next season as well. So I think it's, we, we can't hand out the 2023 trophy yet, which I feel like you wanted to do there, Kev. No, I w- I'm just asking questions. I do want to say that you said that Mercedes has the capability to max out the budget cap. Next year, they should just go over it. 5%, yeah. baby. 4.9%. Let's ride. I, I think, uh, well, it, it completely depends on what penalty Red Bull get if they did something wrong. Because I think Total Wolf has made comments to that effect, which is if they don't you know, get a substantive penalty, then we just go for it. We, we, yep. we don't have budget restrictions. We can go for it if we want, and we can just risk it. Um, it's going to be interesting, because obviously there's been loads of speculation, but the FIA have invited this speculation by just dropping that they have done something wrong. We'll get back to you. Let's quickly throw an eye at the U.S. Grand Prix next week Ooh, in Austin. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about this. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that Max couldn't clinch there. It's unfortunate. Lots of things are unfortunate about <laughs> what happened in, in Japan. Um, but there is, you know, we still have an F1 boom in this country. Ratings are still very, very good. Um, metrics are up across the board still. Um, what are you expecting out of Austin? And, and you know, this has become a bit of a mainstay on the calendar at this point. We we know what kind what kind of races to expect. A hundred percent of the new the new tracks that people sort of tar they call them all the Tilkadromes, these modern tracks that have been designed to to suit the modern F one cars. I think Kota is is really one of the very very best. And don't worry about the fact the championship has been decided. These are still events in their own right, and they're still really enjoyable. And Kota does uh, does generate good racing. One of the most spectacular things is that hill uh, up to turn one. And if you get the chance at all to do any kind of sim, any kind of racing game, jump on and do it. This is one of the tracks where you want to do it because you can't see the apex of turn one. And then uh, once you're going over that crest, you're losing the rear end. So it's really challenging. And then Mm -hmm. you've got a very Suzuka-esque bunch of S's uh, into that first sector. And you've got loads of corners where the car just wants to disappear out of the way. So as you go back towards the the back straight away, you know, you're going down a hill and you can, you'll see drivers snatching and locking their inside wheels as they struggle to get onto the back straight. And then uh, in the final sector, you've got a series of four right-handers that imitate Istanbul. 
which was one of the first Tilkadromes as well, except it's four right-handers instead of four left-handers. The whole circuit is spectacular. You guys go absolutely nuts and do everything the, the American way, and it's, um, it's style and substance for the next Grand Prix. And people, I think, started to question, okay, we have Las Vegas, we have Miami. They have put yeah. up those as tentpole events. Yeah. The glamorous cities, much more glamorous in most cases than, for most people rather, than Austin. I, Austin is a great American city. It's not Miami. It's not Las Vegas. It's in a different bucket. And people say, why Why are they still racing in Austin? Number one is because... What? That's, that's no, the no. best American track but by far. That's There's no exactly doubt. right. That's exactly yeah. right. And I'm just saying a new fan might come in and say, why, why is this still happening? Why do we have right. three American races? Well, no, listen, you have three American races. So if you're going to get rid of one, it's unfortunately not going to be... I mean, not unfortunately. I like Miami. But like, yeah. if, if they got rid of one American race, I think the logical one would be Austin, right? And it's the best one by far. It's yeah. the one where the city has put up the most commitment to Formula One. It's the one F, longtime F1 fans know the most. And so this is, this is justice for Austin. I think next year when there's three American races, there's going to be a bit of America F1 fatigue within the world, not, not just within the country. I mean, I do think that people are still going to go. I mean, I, was, I saw some of the, the room rates in Las Vegas. They're through the roof. People are going to go to all three of these races. I'm just saying a fan in England, a fan in the Netherlands, a fan in Belgium might say, wait a second, why are the three mm. races in America? And it's because every one of them makes sense in their own way, including Austin. Justice for the Austin I, I, Grand Prix. I don't want to be anti-European here i don't want to be called a traitor but put get a map and circle the, the a, a big circle around all those three american tracks now put that same size circle in europe and see how many grand prix tracks you can fit yeah. in there do you know what i mean like we can europe's got about 10 tracks people need to calm down also maybe what we need to do is stop listening to the 0.5 percent of people who get upset going oh three american tracks america more than justifies three tracks go and look at the viewing figures go and look at where the fan yep. engagement is happening right now three is completely fine but don't you get rid of austin because when we're still doing this in 25 years time and you've got ringer number one in the podcast charts and my one number two yeah we'll be talking about this in 25 years time and circuit of america's should be embedded as part of f1 history by then it's got that potential i love the track mm -hmm. that much USA. Oh no, now I have betrayed Europe. Wow. Yeah. Didn't you didn't expect that at the end of this podcast, did you? I think I, I think I went in hot. We start we started with an we started with an offline chat about British politics and we No, we didn't. With, uh, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. I've got we no definitely did opinions. Not. Erica, this is this is edited, right? This is edited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got to go. Uh we'll be back next week. We'll have like a midweek thing and then we'll have one F1 driver potentially two on the Friday show. Um Again, two gentlemen who would like to talk about racing on this podcast and on Slow News Day. We will see you then. Spanner, see you soon, bud. Cheers, KC.